0: Well, we're gonna. This is gonna be the last of our prayer series we've been doing. Um, our core values for this year. Uh, the first of our core values is the presence of God. It's the number one value as a community here. As we value the presence of God, we believe that the presence of God is tangible. That you can have an encounter to be an encounter. That um, that you don't. That God is not just a theory, but He's actually a living God, and that His presence is within you. That your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, and the Spirit of God lives inside of you. That when you receive Christ, you receive the spirit of Christ. And so his presence is tangible. It doesn't mean that you have to feel God to to know God, because we know that that it's not by our feelings that we enter into these things, right? But it is through faith. And so faith is the uh, substance of things hoped for. Faith is uh, uh, something that is uh, the most loved thing that God uh, really values. And and so we, we access his presence by faith. Even if we don't feel it, we believe he's there. But he's so good that many times he still gives you the understanding and the tangibility of his presence. Whether it be a manifestation of his peace, whether it be a manifestation of his joy, whether it be a manifestation of, of literal electricity or tingling or Holy Ghost goosebumps, who knows what I'm talking about, right? Come on. But we believe his presence is tangible and, uh, and we did a whole series on that. I encourage you, if you go on our YouTube channel and you wanna catch up on some of this stuff, maybe you're newer here, um, you can check it out. Um, my messages are the best of the series, but, um, but no, I'm just kidding. You know, Several people would teach during those times, so feel free to check those out, as well as our prayer series. Um, the Lord speaks in many different ways. And uh, he spoke through donkeys. He speaks through chickens. You know, just kidding. Also, we're not very formal here. Um, Real families never really formal, are they? So we wanna continue uh, about prayer because we believe that God hears our prayers. We believe that, that prayer changes things. And we believe in the power of prayer. We are a community that wants to have a spiritual discipline in our prayer life. That prayer is not just going about and communing with God, which is a great thing, uh, and that should always be done, but it should have a time in your life where you can actually dedicate to sit down and spend time with the Lord. I've talked about how you have something that's more precious than anything in the world. It's more valuable than any money that you have, and that's something that God has given you, and he's given you a certain amount of it, and all of us have different amounts of it, and that's your time. And how you spend your time When you spend your time on God, you're actually saying, God, I'm giving you the most priceless thing I have. So prayer is so important in our lives. And we talked about how prayer is spiritual warfare, how prayer is is many things. For some reason, I'm drawing a blank on all the titles. But today I wanna talk about how prayer is heaven invading earth. And uh, I wanna just go to a famous scripture, we've read it here several times, Matthew 6, 9 and 10. First book of the New Testament, there you go. Matthew 6, 9 and 10 says, pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. We're gonna stop there for a moment. This is so so important to our Christian faith, and so many times, as believers, we overlook the beginning of this prayer, And, and we have to remember that the disciples had asked Jesus how to pray. So Jesus is not just praying a prayer that he would pray himself, he's actually also telling them A prayer that they should pray and a a way in which they should pray. They don't have to pray the exact same words, but he's showing us a manner, a method of prayer. Obviously, this prayer life isn't just isn't really for Jesus, because that type of prayer, it says, forgive us our sins. Jesus never had any sins. Right, so this cannot this cannot be a prayer that Jesus is saying, oh, this is the way I'm just praying, even though I'm sure there's, there's moments of that in the prayer, what Jesus is saying is this is how you should pray. And so that gives us a mindset and an understanding that when we're praying to God, we're actually asking God to invade he- uh, uh, earth as it is in heaven. And so God has put us as stewards here on this earth, there I go again, but as stewards here on this earth, so that, so that we, get to, we get to choose where we would like this engagement to happen. And so there's a battle going on in this world. Because there's sin in this world, because this world is broken, there's a battle going on, there's an exchange. And so God has chosen to co-labor with us and said, you are now my ambassadors. So I want you to, to push into areas that you feel is needed. I have a friend that said, look, Prayer. If you want to think of prayer this way, it's like a needle and thread, and your prayers are going up, and your prayers are coming down answered, and it's like knitting heaven and earth together. It's what you're literally doing. This is something that's so important to how we see the Lord. It's so important to, in what we pray towards. It's so important to 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 realizing that there's so much power in our prayers because not only is the, are the believers behind it, but more importantly, our Father in heaven, all of heaven is behind our prayers. And when you understand that concept, you start actually knocking and start actually petitioning and saying, okay, God, I believe you hear my prayers. I believe prayers are powerful. I believe prayer changes things. I believe you wanna partner with me in my prayer life. And so now I'm going to submit things that are gonna be beyond my capability. See, when we do things in our strength, then we don't really need God. I don't need God to pump my gas. I need them to provide for it because it's just nuts right now. But like, I, I'm not asking God, will you help me pump my gas? I mean, that can be a nice, you know, like, God, I want you to be in everything I do for sure. But, but what, what I need to ask God for is like, God, would you restore my marriage? God, would you, would you bring my, my lost children home? God, would you, would, you, would you help me break off the homeless situation in Albuquerque? Would you help me change my street? Those are prayers that are dangerous and awesome and powerful prayers. Why? Because everyone knows you are not capable of doing it, which makes you a perfect candidate for God to use. Because now he knows, man, I can use you. I, look, look this, this is gonna bring more glory to who I am, and I, I wanna partner with you, and you've submitted your life to me, so now I can empower you to do the impossible. This is, is this awesome, radical lifestyle that we are called to and that we've been invited into. And so if you're not a Christian, man, you're missing out. It's an amazing life. But if you're a Christian and you're not utilizing the most important thing that God's given us as a tool, of course, the Holy Spirit, we have. He's the most important thing, but... but, This tool that God's given us, it's like we're laying it aside and saying, God, uh, you stay in heaven and I'll stay on earth and we're not gonna have this amazing exchange that you've given us. It's like laying those down. And so all of a sudden we find ourselves going one day, two days, three days, a whole week, maybe a month, maybe six months before we actually sit down and pray to God and we're like, man, why is our lives so upended? Why can't I get anything done? It's like, because you've stopped utilizing the most important thing God's given you, prayer. And now a lot of us will say, well, I know it's important. I know, I, I, I really try, I really try. You know, when I was becoming a more mature adult, I would go to the dentist regularly. And... Um, I always kept my teeth pretty clean, you know, I thought. But then they go in under a microscope, you know. And uh, and, the dentist, she said, Paul, do you floss? And uh, I didn't want to lie. I said, I try. (laughs) And then I stopped myself because flossing is, the floss is probably the lightest piece of material man's ever made. It's not hard to pick up. Takes two minutes. I said, well, actually, Dennis, if I tried, I would probably do it. Now, I do floss every day and night. You can ask my wife. She makes me. I'm just kidding. But, But the reality is, is that we, we say we try to pray, right? Like, I'm, try, I'm trying. But the reality is, if, if we really try, God has made it so easy and accessible to who he is that we would actually do it. James 4.2. James is rebuking some of the church here. 4.2 and verse three says, you desire and do not have, so you murder. Now he's not meaning this in a literal sense, by the way. He's he's not talking to the Christians who are murdering people. He's saying you desire and do not have, so you murder. Kind of like in your hearts. It says you covet and and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. And you ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. Now, sometimes we do have a prayer life and we sit down and we try to pray to God and we don't see things coming together for us. One is because we're not asking for the right things. Our, our prayer life is always meant to be vertical. But when our prayer life is vertical to only have a horizontal in, uh, uh, like, uh, uh, effect, then it's worthless And the problem is, is that if our prayer life is consistent to trying to get us to look like our brother and sister, it's null and void. Because what happens is, is we start to compare ourselves. And we think that comparing ourselves to where we are with God, or in the world, or in society, or in our financial status, or we're in our friend status, or in our family status, whatever you might be doing in comparison, you're actually robbing God of actually fixing who you are and empowering who you are. Because your prayer life, even if it's vertical, it's for a horizontal effect. And that's not the, I mean, in terms of like your comparison with, with one another. They don't know who said it. Some, some believe it's Ray Cummings who, who wrote this, uh, who wrote a book. Um, but I, I really love this quote. My wife brought it to my attention when she preached before. By the way, my wife does preach, but she doesn't want to. I try to get her to, she, like, she doesn't like being on stage. But he says this, that self-comparison is a thief of joy. It's a Christian author. Self-comparison is a thief of joy. He says there's three thieves of joy. One is bitterness, one is complaining, and the third is self-comparison. He says if the enemy can't get you to get bitter, and if he can't get you to get whiny, then what he's gonna do is he's gonna try to make you look at other people and compare yourself to them. And it's impossible to be joyful while you're comparing yourself to others. How do you make that null and void? You don't look at other people, you look at him. You allow him to look at you. And then all of a sudden, when your heart is truly aligned with the Father, all of a sudden, the things that you're asking are things that he wants to do in your life. And then these things start happening. Let's go to our next scripture. You guys okay? Matthew 16, 19. Love this. Jesus has been talking to Peter Peter, revealed by the Holy Spirit, said that Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of God. And then Jesus tells Peter, on you I will build my church and the gates of heaven will not prevail. And then he says this in verse 19. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. I'm gonna read that again. Whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. This is such a powerful verse. Because just as though, just like Peter, even though he was leading the the early church at that time, this is a this is a a word for all believers because it's telling us that heaven and earth partner with your prayer life. That when you're doing things on earth. Heaven's behind you. So when you're binding things, heaven's binding things. When you're loosing things, heaven's loosing things. And so this, this is an amazing access. It's like having a million dollars in your account. Or a billion. I don't know what's a lot anymore. I'm like hearing our, our, our debt, like our nation's debt, and not, not, not for any political reason. I'm just like, I can't even fathom like, Trillion, let alone like 30 trillion. I don't even know if that's it anymore. But. But, but I think it's like you have a ton of money in your account, which means you can access it. You can use it. But if you're not using your debit card, it just sits there. Sometimes we, we have the keys. It's like you, ha- you might have the keys to a mansion on a hill in Albuquerque, in the Northeast Heights, whatever. I don't, I don't know, is that a good area? Uh, I, but, but So you have a mansion up there, right? And you have the keys in your pocket, but you never visit. You instead decide to live in a cardboard home under I-40. In a tent under I-40, I don't know. What, what is it? It's, it's God's given us access to pray some incredible prayers. He's given us the keys to access heaven, to invade this earth, and we've chosen to keep them in our pocket, in our families' lives, in our city, in our community. Keys are no good unless you use them, and only if you use them on the right house. 1 John 5, 14 and 15. It says, and this is the confidence that we have toward him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the requests that we have asked of him. This is all about Relationship. This is all about a father-son, father-daughter relationship. And I I want us to get that mindset, that understanding. You know, last week, um, uh, Brian McKenna came up to me during worship and he had this word that he felt was for our church and uh, he, he told me to share it this morning. But I really do agree with the word. He said, look, you know, we gotta remember that God is no longer calling us servants, and he's no longer just calling us friends, but we're also the children of God. We are now the children of God. And maybe your father, your mother wasn't a good example of what a parent is in your life, and, and oftentimes we project what our earthly parents do onto our Heavenly Father, because you know, it's just a natural thing to do, but if you can suspend that for a moment and allow yourself to see God as a perfect Father who really loves you, cares for you, and wants good things for you, then when you ask of Him and you're engaging Him, you're not engaging Him as a servant or as a friend, but as a son. As a daughter, have you ever asked? Now, listen. Have you ever been an employee? Maybe you have. Maybe you haven't. And asked your employer for a raise, or been in a position where you know there's the the power the power structure. You're here, they're here, and they have authority over you. They determine what you make. You ever go to them and ask them for money? It's a different relation. You don't go up like it's your dad. You make a case for it. You say, I'm worth this, and I do this, and I have this much stuff going on, and and I'm better than that, and I'm better than him, and better than her, and so I should get paid more, right? That's how you ask for more money. You have to justify your case, and then you have to be hopeful that that person sees your value and will pay you an increase. That's what it's like coming to someone when you're a servant. Then when you come to someone, Here's one, man, I've seen things blow up this way. Have you ever been in a bad spot you had to ask your friend for money? You're good friends. Doesn't it put a different strain on the relationship once money's involved? I'm not talking about a 20 spot. I'm not talking about dinner at the Flying Star, all right? It's a different dynamic. It doesn't mean you don't love that person. It doesn't mean that you're not, you know, uh, uh, gracious towards that person. But it's like all of a sudden, it's like, okay, you need ten thousand dollars for what? I don't know. No one's asked me for ten grand because I'm a pastor. But (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, you need fifty dollars for what? I'm just kidding. (laughs) I'm like, right? Because because now it's like, whoa. There's this other there's this other angle and you need, to, you need to make sure that their intentions are sincere, you need to make sure that they're spending the money on the right things, you, you need to know how you're gonna get this money back, right? All of a sudden, it puts strains on relationships, and I know relationships, friendships, that have blown up because they borrowed money from each other, very common. But when you have a father who owns a 1,000 cattle on the hills and has all resources and is good father, you don't ask like a servant and you don't ask like a friend. You ask like a son. You ask like a daughter. It's very different. You don't have to prove yourself to them if they're a good father, a good, 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 you know, good parent. You don't have to prove yourself to them. You don't have to show your value or your worth they might want you to actually do good things with that money. and I mean, that's, but when it comes to the father, it's like going to someone who has all the resources in the world who wants to partner with you. He's like, it's like your, your father is your biggest investor. And he's like, okay, son, okay, daughter, what do you wanna do next? And so no longer do I hesitate to ask God for things, but I come boldly with a, with a clean heart. Not, not with intentions. It's like, God, make me a good preacher so I could be famous on Instagram and TikTok, right? That's a bad heart, right? Our hearts need to be right, okay? Look, the lottery recently was like $1.12 billion or something. I know none of you've played it, Thank you, it's very good. Talked about this. I know that 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 lottery came out and and I know people make prayers like this. Like God, I'm I'm not gonna buy the lottery a lot, but you know, (laughs) it's a billion dollars, I mean. And plus God, you're not gonna believe this, God. Wait for this, the deal of a lifetime, God. If you let me win, I'm gonna give you 90%. God, I know you're you're gonna take that offer because most people will keep most of it, but I'll, I'll give you 90%. I just want 10. Just give me 10, right? No, not you guys, sorry. But this is, when we have a right heart, you don't need to win the lottery. You can ask God for buildings. You can ask God for, for relations restoration. You can ask God for things that are, might seem out of your control, because now you're putting them in his control, and you're asking from a good father. E.M. Bounds wrote this, I love this. I, I've quoted E.M. Bounds a bunch, but he's a great man on prayer. He says, the Holy Spirit does not flow through methods, but through people. He does not anoint plans, but people of prayer. If we wanna see a revival, if we wanna see a resurrection of his power, we're not gonna come up with the best game plan, we're not gonna come up with the best method, but we will have a self-discipline, a spiritual discipline of prayer that God anoints. And when he anoints our prayer life, that's what, it happens, not through methods, not through, through just structure, even though there's good things about methods and structure. Okay, I'm almost done. The plane has entered the perimeter of the landing area, and the tower just asked us to do one more pass, and then we're gonna come in. And I know we, we went through uh, several scriptures, but I, I wanna go through a few more, just one more, okay? A few more verses. Daniel, in, in, in Daniel, the book of Daniel, before we pull it up there, guys, but in the book of Daniel, uh, it's a wonderful story, tons of stories in it, but Daniel obviously was, um, uh, you know, uh, captured um, by uh, Babylonians, he's, he's uh, uh, basically a prisoner, but they've uh, exalted him because of the favor and grace of God on his life, and so he's working, like, at the highest level for the kings of this nation, and... Um, and Darius, the ruler at the time, had, was wanting to put Daniel head over, over all the lands that they had, the Medes and the, and, and, and the uh, Persians, I believe. And anyway, so he puts them over, he wants to put him over head, but all the other higher political powers and authority are upset about this and they don't like the favor that's on Daniel's life. So what they do is they conspire a plan to have the king kill Daniel. And what they do is they make, they, they realize that Daniel has a prayer life that is so consistent that they're so aware of it because it's so consistent that they know if they put a law in place for 30 days, they ask the, 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 the king to put an edict in, for 30 days no one worships any other god but you. And if they do worship you, if they do worship another god, they get put to death, they get sent to the, to the lion's den. And so let's go to uh, Daniel 6.10 first. We'll pull that up. It said, when Daniel knew that the document had been signed, he went to his house where he had windows in his upper chamber open toward Jerusalem. And he got down on his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he had done previously. That's how we know we, he did it all the time. Our prayer life needs to be consistent. I want us to go down to uh, the chapter six. Now, obviously, they've told on Daniel that the king has realized his mistake because now he has to follow his orders. And so he tells Daniel, Daniel, my heart is troubled, but we have to put you in the lion's den. May your God be with you. And it said the king was up all night just worrying about Daniel. And then when he goes to Daniel the next day, he says this when, um, in, in chapter six, 22 and 23. He says, my God sent his angel and shut the lion's mouths and they have not harmed me because I was found blameless before him and also before you, O king, I have done no harm. Then the king was exceedingly glad and commanded that Daniel be taken up out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den so no kind of harm was found on him because he had trusted in his God. Now, here's the thing that I think that we miss sometimes when it comes to this example in the Bible, this true story of Daniel, is that Daniel's only ability to trust in the Lord while he's in the den of lions was because he had built a trust in the faithfulness of God through his daily prayer life. Do not wait for you to get into a circumstance that is so tragic and so needy that then you start praying definitely do it god's so gracious so merciful it's awesome he'll be there for you but but in how you build your trust in him is doing it daily in your own prayer life and when you do it daily in your own prayer life when you go through something like the lion's den this Inevitable, like Daniel literally can't do anything in his own strength. The king, who's like ruler of the biggest empire at the time, literally can't do anything in his own strength. He needs God. And he trusts God. And the way he does that was the history he had built with God. You look at David's life. People look at David and Goliath and think of this amazing story of how this small man defeated the greatest giant of the time and, and, and all this stuff. But, but when you look at David's personal life, he killed a bear and he killed a lion in private before he ever killed Goliath in public. The strength of your spiritual life, the strength of your prayer life happens in private. It happens through actually building time and history with God. Reading his word, nothing's gonna replace this. No great, no seven, seven secrets to advancing God's kingdom. No book in the Christian bookstore will ever replace this book. So read it. Understand it, learn, like, read commentaries on it, f- figure out what it means, listen to, to, to messages and uh, theologians uh, teach about it, get, get better understanding, because then God uses it to give you greater revelation. But in addition to reading this word, nothing replaces your relationship with him. We learn his faithfulness more in our prayer life than in our tough circumstance. Or a better way to say it is this, His faithfulness is learned through prayer and affirmed in our toughest circumstances. Why don't you stand? This is the last message we'll be preaching on prayer. We wanna start a transformation series next. Next week I have a special guest speaker and a guest worship uh, team that's gonna assist us and I don't want you to miss it. It's it's gonna be awesome, they're really amazing amazing people of God. But this is our last prayer series, and I've just, my heart, my desire is that all of you are finally convinced that you're gonna do this right, that you're actually gonna build your prayer life. That you're gonna say, I'm going to just have the spiritual discipline to stay consistent in my prayer life. Because I know God is building us up for a time of great outpouring, and a time of great revival, and a time of great moving of his spirit in this city. But if our prayer lives aren't right, it'll be like a rope of sand, just falls through our hands. I don't wanna do that, I wanna steward it. I wanna steward it so well that our personal lives, our personal spiritual lives are built up enough to carry the word for the city, to carry the move of God for this city and for your family, for your own family, your own lives. So I wanna pray with you guys. Just bow your heads. God, I just thank you for this word on prayer. I thank you, God, that we get to build an intimate relationship with you through a personal devotion, through a personal prayer time. God, and I pray, that you would just draw us by your spirit to be closer with you. And that we would be able to build a trust in your faithfulness in our private time so that when our public or tough circumstance arises, it just affirms your faithfulness. There is no building up needed. God, I pray that people would be transformed during these times of prayer. And for the ones who've been praying for decades and have just kind of waned, Lord, I pray that you would empower them again to pray. Lord, I pray that you would give us this understanding of having the keys of the kingdom of heaven and being able to pray prayers of faith and prayers that need you. And so, Lord, I bless everyone here this morning. I ask that you... Give them your peace, that you give them your grace as they go along their week and that you would be with them in their family. In Jesus' name, amen. We wanna open up the altar for prayer. If you need prayer, if you're going through something, you just want a brother or sister to stand with you. If you need healing in your body, uh, you need heaven to invade earth in your own family, your own life, come forward, we wanna pray for you. We'll have prayer ministers here as well. And um, are you, did you wanna say something? For me? Do you have a word? Yes or no? No? No, okay. All right. Other than that, bless you guys. Have a great week. I love seeing your faces. I'll see you next week.